and they're blinded to reality and what this world is. And when, you're, when you live in this world and all you can think about is, is it was a big blob that was nothing and boom, it happened and all this stuff took place. And because of the, the, the teaching, I remember when they told us, I was a sophomore in high school and my history teacher stood in front of us and he said this. He said, this is going to be hard for some of you. Now think, I'm not a thousand years old now, remember that. I'm a, I'm a sophomore in high school and our history teacher stands there and he says, now, from now on, he says, we can say nothing about creation. It's going to be evolution. And look at what that has done in just the last 60 years. Look at what that has done to our society in 60 years. When you think you're evolved, that means you don't have to account to anybody. You're just a blob down here, and when you die, you're just a blob that disappears, and that's it. I have news for those people. When they die, they meet somebody. And they find out in a hurry. When it starts burning and burning and burning and burning and burning, and they're in that place of torment right now, being held for the great judgment day. You know, guys like Stalin and Lenin and Adolf Hitler... If they could come right back right now, they would out-preach Billy Graham like you've never heard. Because they know now. They know. But, oh, listen, we've got an awful lot of people in our universities, in our high schools, in our grade schools, in our country, in our politics, that have no clue that there's a God Almighty. And they don't want to think about him. Now, we've got some good people in those areas, too. But they're being squelched. They're being pushed down, and we're seeing more and more of that, and, and we've got we to rise up, you know. We've got to rise up. We're, we're the army of God, and we, we know. I've read the last chapter. I know what's going to happen, and so we've got to just be on, on fire for him and do what we can for the cause of Christ, and uh, that's what we need to be working toward. And, and so I think today, uh, take a few moments of time here, and... Uh, Let's look in Matthew chapter 5. Well, in fact, let's change that up. Let's go over to Corinthians. I want to look at a very, very short verse in Corinthians. And I think while I'm doing that, I left the, the notes for that text down in my, because it was going to be in the morning service. I'm going to go down and grab it. But I want to give you something that the Lord laid in my heart here this morning that, that I think we need to look at. And again, we've got, we've got to get used to change, you know. things <laughs> Technology helps, doesn't it? You know, we end up with uh, things changing on us in a hurry. Now I want to look at 2 Corinthians in chapter 9. And it's a very short verse there in verse number 15, 2 Corinthians 9, and you get down to verse number 15, and it says this, Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Let's pray. Father, we thank you now, Lord, for this time that we can take and look at your, your book, the Bible. And Lord, I pray this morning that you just bind anything contrary from the way of the cross today from this assembly, from this building, and 
And Lord, that you would take and open our hearts to the word of God. I pray you'd hide me behind the cross. And Lord, that I'd say only that that you'd have to be spoken today. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you the praise, the glory, the honor. For it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Now he says, thanks be unto God for this unspeakable gift. You know, it's not even able to be expressed in words what God has done for us through the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to turn over to Colossians chapter 1. And in Colossians chapter 1, we'll look here and see about a little bit about this unspeakable gift, starting down in verse number 14, and it says this, In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are on earth, Visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Well, listen, I thank God that we have that truth, that we can know he made all things and he freely gives them to us. You know, this morning when you got out, up out of bed and you went, did you have to pay for that air? If the government could tax it, they would, but it's free, you know. God gives us that. It's free. When you step outside and you see the trees and you begin to see the color of the trees, you know what God could have done? You know, if, if it was evolution, you know what would have happened? All those leaves would have just turned brown and fell off. But no, God says when they begin to turn, I'm going to have different colors. <laughs> different trees are going to turn different colors. And, and you, you look at the, the beauty out here. Do we have to pay for that? No, it's God gives that to us. The sun that shines. Yesterday, the rain that came. Did you have to pay for the rain that came down? No. God gave that to us. Everything there is, he freely gave it to us because he created all things. And you find back in the book of Genesis where he said when God saw his creation and when he saw it all, he looked at it and he said, it was good. <laughs> it was good. And you see what God does. It's good. And so here's Jesus, you know. He's the, the unspeakable gift, and he made all this. And then he goes in verse 17. It says, and he is before all things, and by him. Now watch this. By him, evolution consists. <laughs> no. He says, by him, all things consist. He is the one that holds us together. He is the one that keeps the molecules in this pulpit together. He's the one that keeps the molecules in you together. I firmly believe if he took his finger off from this creation, it would disappear just that quick. Everything would be gone. Why? Because he holds it together. It's not idiots in a White House that say, global warming, if we don't stop this, it's going to all burn. No, 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 no. We have a God that's in charge of this thing. And we got to look to him. Look to Christ. It's not in the White House. It's in the church house where the truth is going to be. Amen. It's here. Here's where it is. And when this goes down, and he says, by him all things consist. And it says, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Listen, he wants to be before all things. Now, here it is. This is that unspeakable gift. This creator, 
This God that holds all this together. This God that spoke the worlds into existence. This God that reached down into the dust of the dirt and formed man and breathed into him the breath of life. That's what makes us different from the animals. He gave us the breath of life. God's breath was in mankind. That God, that creator, left that glory and took up the form of a man. Now you explain that. You just got to take that by faith. That's what he did. That's what he said. Now that is an unbelievable gift. Unbelievable. And why did he do that? Because God so loved the world. He loved you and I. He loved humanity. He loves those in, in uh, the Islamic countries. He loves those in the, the Hindu countries. He loves those that are in controlled by the Roman Catholic Church. He loves all those people. He loves everybody here. But they need the truth. They need to hear the truth. You know, after the campaign over there we just had in Poland... The missionary there has been communicating with us. And he said he's had a couple of people now come to him and said, we are so tired of our religion. They said, we want to know what the Bible says. What's their religion? Roman Catholicism. You, know, you, you talk to a priest. Ask him. Do you know if you're going to heaven or not? You know what they'll tell you? Just like everybody else. Well, we hope so. If we work hard enough, we might just make it. You know, if we do enough, that's why when you see the, the Jehovah's Witness now, wherever you go, you see them there with their little cart and the two people standing there. They got to do that for two years. Why? If they don't do that, they lose their salvation. They're gone. They got to be out there. They got to be working. And I think we ought to implement that with our churches. If you don't do some soul winning here, you're going you're gonna to lose your salvation. But no, no, we have that gift of salvation given to us, and God wants us to freely serve him. You know, and not to change that. So now, so now how can we serve this God, this, this unspeakable gift that he's given to us? What can we do? How can we propagate that? How can, what do we have to do? Well, let's look at something here. And the first thing we need to do is we must surrender our own will. <laughs> That's our biggest problem. You know, we, we have a will. You ever have anybody say to you or say to somebody or you said to somebody, boy, you got a stubborn will. You know, every, every human down here has a stubborn will. You know, we want to do what we want to do. And, in fact, what are we hearing now from, the, like, the Oprah mentality? You must really love you. You are the center. You are this, and you are that, and you, 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 you. <laughs> I have news for him. We're hell-bound, hell-deserving sinners. And he's the one that we need to look to and say, you are the one. You're the one. Because down here, the only thing that is for sure is you got an expiration date. And the second thing that's for sure, you're going to meet God. And those of us who are saved, we're going to meet the Lord Jesus Christ at his judgment seat. Amen. But, oh, listen, the lost world is going to meet the judge, <laughs> the one who's going to condemn them for all eternity. But, oh, listen, so what do we do? How do we do it? We must surrender our will. Let's look at this one in Philippians chapter 2. And look down starting in verse number 5. In Philippians 2, starting in verse 5. He says this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, 
but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And he being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now here, here's this creator, this one who created all things, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now he comes down here and it says, and he humbled himself. He took on the form of a servant. Now, when we get saved, we are supposed to do what? Serve him. So we take on that same. He's our example. He says, this is, what, this is what I want you to do. Now, when you think about this, and he took on this, and he went to the cross. When he went to the cross, was that easy for him to do that? You say, well, he's God. God can do anything. Was that, you got to remember, he took on the form of man. He was all God and all man. And so when he took on that form and he had to go to the cross, it was a physical body just like you and I have. And boy, that, what he went through was unbelievable on that cross and the preparation to the cross. Look at back in Luke, in Luke chapter 22 once, and let's see our Lord as he is before the Heavenly Father and praying in Luke chapter 22. And you get down in verse number 40, 41. We'll start there. <clears throat> and it says, He was withdrawn from them, from his disciples, about a stone's cast, and he kneeled down and prayed. Now watch this saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, now watch this, not my will, but thine be done. Now listen, Christian, here's our Heavenly Father. That's the humanity side of him saying, not, listen, he wanted that cup removed. And then he goes on, he says, and, being, and it says in verse 43, And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. Now, have you gotten down in your prayer life and prayed so hard and so earnestly that you were in agony, begging and pleading with a holy God that you were down to the point of almost dying and God had to send an angel down to comfort and strengthen you? Have you been to that point yet? I haven't. But here he is, and look at verse 44, and he says, and being in an agony. Here he is, he's in pain and he's in agony, prayed more earnestly. And it says, and the sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Now you tell me it was easy for him to go to the cross. Now think about this for a moment. Has anyone ever hurt you? Said something about you? Done something that... That you were offended and you were, you were hurt and how, how it affected you. And you say, boy, that, that hurt what they said and that hurt what they, they did, you know, to me. And, and, and it hurt. Now think about this. Here Christ is and he's taking on everyone who ever lived, who's alive today, no matter how minute the sin is, to no matter how horrid and horrific the sin is and everything in between, here is our Lord and Savior taking all that upon Him, all of it. And you think about how we get hurt and we get, some folks will get offended just by some little phrase said and they'll be angry at somebody for years, holding that bitterness within them. And here's a holy God who takes all of it upon Himself. Can you imagine? I can't. I can't even begin to put. That's why he says it's an unspeakable gift. Boy, you think right now, eight 
billion plus people on this earth. You know, in the, in the city of Chicago, there's a dozen murders every single night, at least in that city, let alone all the rest of the garbage that goes on. That's just one little city. Can you imagine the rest of the world and all of the stuff that's happened and is happening now? He took it all upon him. Right. And he paid the price. Boy, it was a hard thing. But you notice what he said, not my will, but thine be done. But what do we do? You know, we want to do our will, do our thing. We want to do what we want to do. You know, what does God want? He wants you to be sanctified. One of the things he wants. He wants you to be clean. He wants you to be pure. Why? Because he wants to use you. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, how are they going to hear? Like we were just in Ostin. How would you like to be transported and live in a city like Ostin, where there was not a Bible preaching church, where there was nobody spreading the truth, and you were there? How would you hear? How would you hear? Transport you over to India. They got over a million gods. If you had to live there, that's where you were. That was your life. That's where you were born. That's where you were raised. What chance would you have of going to heaven? Transport you over to China. Billion point three, 1.3 billion people, something like that in that country. And if you were there right now, that's where you live. That's where you were born. That's where you were raised. What chance would you have of hearing the truth? Well, I'll tell you something. It's, it's something that he says, not my will, but thy will be done. Listen, that's why Jesus said, pray for laborers. We need people to surrender. We need people to get involved. We need people to say, I'm going to turn away from all my fleshly desires here and making money and getting rich and having this and having that. And I'm going to just yield it all and say, God, use me. You know what he does a lot of times when you do that? He leaves you right where you're at. Only you become a whole lot better soul winner. But you know what it takes? It takes surrender. Surrender. I mean complete surrender. It's not something where you just get down and just have a few little words. It comes from right in here, right in the center of your being, from your heart. You say, oh God, take me. I yield everything I've got. I give you my house, I give you my cars, I, I give you my, my, all the possessions I have, I give you my bank account, I give you my retirement, I give it all, it's all there, Lord, I, I yield it all to you. God, what do you want done with it? And you know when you do that, you know what he does? He'll take it and he'll say, thank you. And he'll hand it back to you in most all cases and say, now use it to my glory. That's what he does. In some cases, he may take it and say, thank you, I want you to go to a foreign field. That's a whole different case, but he does that. But listen, then you have to say, not my will, not my will, but thine be done. Boy, I wish we had more people that would just do that, taken just like Christ did. He was, he's our example. Here he is praying, and he says, not my will, Heavenly Father. Not mine, but I'll go through this because it's your will. And oh, listen, we've got to be willing to do that. You know, look at that, a very familiar verse over in Romans. In Romans chapter 12. And he says this in verse 1. 
I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. He says, a living sacrifice. He says, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He said, I want you to yield. You know, you must surrender your will if you're going to really thank him for that unspeakable gift. You've got to be willing to give up you and your desires and say, I want to do thy will. And it's amazing what he'll allow you to accomplish in the place where you work. You become a brighter light. You know, you become a better testimony. You'd be more outspoken. You'd be more willing to talk to someone and, and it, it just changes things. But listen, you've got to be willing to do his will, not our will, in order to see that happen. So you surrender our will. What's another thing? You must serve him in faith. You know, a lot of folks look at you and say, well, you're just some of those people that have that old blind faith. That's what faith is. <laughs> you don't know what's going to happen. You just know what God says to do. Look at once over in, in Genesis chapter 15, where here God's speaking to Abram. And you get in Genesis chapter 15 and verse number 1, and he says this, After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And notice he says, fear not. He says, I am thy shield. Doesn't that kind of sound like over in Ephesians chapter 6 where we put on the armor of God and he says there in verse 16, above all, taking what? The shield. The shield of what? Faith. That's what Abraham was doing back then. He was stepping out by faith. And God said, fear not. He said, you believe me. And that's why it goes on. It says in, in the book of Hebrews, it says, in, and because he believed God, he says he counted it as righteousness. We need to believe God. He says, listen, he said, I am thy shield. And then notice he says, an exceeding great reward. It says exceeding great reward. Now, we a lot of times fear. You know, isn't it a hard thing to come up to somebody you don't know and try to hand them a tract? Or try to talk to them about Jesus? I mean, isn't it amazing how difficult that becomes? You know, I, I, wish, I wish we could just all of a sudden just be, we'd have this beaming power where we could just walk up to anybody and just start telling them about Jesus. But a lot of us, it doesn't work that way. You know, I, I'm not one of these outgoing type guys. And I was, uh, I'm much, much more comfortable sitting down and listening than I am getting up. You say, well, we're up there preaching. That's because that God's called me to do this, and that's what I do. But other than that, I, don't, I just sit back and listen, you know. And uh, I'm just not one of these kind of guys that loves to meet everybody. There's some folks that, you know, I got a grandson, Zach. He knows no strangers. He goes, he's, he goes, and my son Josh works in our ministry now, and, and he gives Zach the prayer cards, and everybody in the church gets one. He says, he goes up to every one of them, you know, and, hi, how you doing? And hands it to him and gives it to him and starts talking to him. And, and I don't have that kind of personality, you know, but he does. He's got this flamboyant personality about him, and if, and if he can get corralled into, into God's service, God can really use that. But oh, listen. He said, I'm, 
I'm thy shield. He says, I'm, I'm the one that protects you. He says that, that faith. And, and he says, I'm there. And, and you know over there in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 where it talks about without faith, he said, it is impossible to please him. He said, it's impossible. You've got to have faith. You've got to just believe what he's going to do. You know, when, when we go into these, these countries and you go into a city and you organize taking a team of folks over anywhere from a dozen to as many as 35, 36 people. And you go into a city and you're, you're there to distribute scriptures and you rent a hall and you're asking God to do something. You know, we have no idea what's going to happen. None whatsoever. I remember a, a, a missionary one time. We were in, in a country and, and we were talking about this and we went to a theater. We were looking at renting a theater that would seat about 500 people and and he's looking at this, and all of a sudden, he's standing, and we're up on the platform, and he's going like this in that theater. And I, look, I says, what are you doing? He says, well, I suppose if we keep the lights down here, and if we got 20 or 30 people that, that come in, and we set them right here and kind of together, he says, it, it probably won't be so bad. And I says, 20 or 30 people? I says, where's your faith? And he looked at me and he says, well, how many can you guarantee? And I looked at him and I said, zero. <laughs> I said, I can't guarantee anybody. And I said, that's not up to me. I says, we're just doing what God told us to do. He told us to come here, hand out a John Romans, hand out an invitation, get it to as many people as you can over the next two weeks, and then, okay, Lord, you're in charge. Who's going to come? That night, I, finally after about a, week of distribution. I came to the missionary and I said, you know, the way people are taking these scriptures, I think we better plan for overflow. He looked at me and he said, what? I said, we better get packets ready because I don't think we're going to get them all in here. And he says, really? And I said, yeah. I says, you can kinda, we can kind of gauge it by the way people are. And they've been very receptive in this city. They've been very open to taking these scriptures. A lot of times you can tell if they're cold and they walk like you're not there and all that kind of stuff. But I said, we're having a good response here. So they put together packets, about 150 packets. Well, that night the fire marshal came and showed up at the building. He stood at the door and as people came in, he started clicking. And when he got to 505 people, he locked the door. The next bus came up and 27 people got off trying to get in, couldn't get in. And I said to the missionary, get your packets <laughs> and go out there and start giving them to these people. And, and he said that night, 127 packets were given out, people that couldn't get in. See, we don't know what God's going to do. Amen. But we just have to do what God tells us to do. You know, you're not going to win everybody to Jesus. I wish we could. I wish everybody, like yesterday, I don't know how many tracts we handed out as we came the last two days traveling from Wisconsin and when we stopped to get gas or we'd stop to eat, wherever we were, we'd try to give out gospel tracts and try to get them to the hands of people. You know, we don't know what God's going to do with that. But I know one that got saved years ago, my mom, she was 14 years old, has no idea who handed her a tract, handed her a gospel tract, Four Steps to Salvation. She said she took it home, laid it on the bureau, the dresser there, just laid it down and left it there. She said every day, she said when I walked by, it was like something just there drawing me to, to read it. She said I left it there about a month. 
And then she said, I finally couldn't take it anymore. I sat down and she said, I read through it and I read through it and I read through it and I read through it until finally she said, I realized this is what I need. And she asked Jesus to save her. Listen, you don't know. You don't know, but we got to do our part. Do what we can by faith because he said he's a rewarder. He's a rewarder. Now, when we go back, look at back at Abraham again. And let's see what he was going to reward him with here. What was the big promise that he, he was going to give him here? Go down to verse number 5 of chapter 15, Genesis 15. And you look, look down in verse 5 and watch this. And he brought him forth abroad. Now here's God bringing him out. And he said, look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. He said, listen, what am I going to give you? A family. He said, I'm going to give you a family that's going to grow and grow and grow and grow. So today, what's the promise that we have? He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He says, I want you to preach the gospel in your city. And what's the promise he's given us? He said, I'm going to give you a family. I'm going to give you a church. And in that church, these brothers and sisters in Christ are going to become closer to you than even your blood relatives in so many ways. And he says, I'm going to give you a family. And what I want you to do, dear Christian, is he said, I want you to go out and tell others so that that family can grow and grow and grow. And he said, become like the stars in heaven and as the sand on the seashore that it can multiply. That's the greatest gift God's given us on this earth at this time is the church. The church. Oh, listen, how, how much our life revolves around the church. This is our family. This is our home when we can be in the church house with the brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and there's so much, you know, in Psalms 126, you, you know the scripture verse there where he says this, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. And he says, He that goeth forth weepeth, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. You know what's... When you're a Christian, you know the greatest excitement that you have is when a relative you've been praying for gets saved. Or when you come to church here and there's a visitor that comes in and somebody invited them somewhere along the line. You don't know who, but they come in. But after the message and after the services that day, they come forward and they trust Christ as Lord and Savior. What does that do? Man, that, I don't know about you, but that, it makes you want to get Baptistal. You know, you want to go, woo, glory to God. You know, the Bible says there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repented. It doesn't say the angels rejoice. It's the saints in heaven that are before them when somebody gets saved down here. Oh, listen, but we got to serve him in faith. we got to surrender our will. And then you must work with determination. You got to work with determination. You know, over there in Hebrews chapter 12, where well, we read part of that already, but we find there in Hebrews chapter 12, and let's look at the first few verses there. He says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience 
the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Oh, listen, he said, you're going to have to, with determination, you run the race. Think of what our Christ did. He came here because that was the plan. Become a man. Just what he did there in Israel. Working with people there. And, and you read through the Gospels and you see the miracles that Jesus did. And yet, what I marvel at more than anything is the hardness of the people's hearts. The people would see these miracles. They would see this and see what... Here, these things had not been done before. They'd never seen these things with the blind eyes to see and the deaf ears to hear and the, the leprosy-ridden bodies cleansed and all these things. And, and yet, in spite of all that, the hardness of the hearts. Few believed, but so many did not. But he says, you've got to keep going. You've got to keep going. You say in a, in a pastor's life, is there a time where a pastor wants to say... I had enough, you know. Yeah. But then they say, but God, I surrendered to this. You've called me. And you know when he calls you, he doesn't uncall you. <laughs> he doesn't say, you're finished, you know. He says, you're going to keep serving. You're going to keep going. You know, we've had a lot of people ask us, say, well, when are you going to retire, Brother Sturtz? And I says, well... <laughs> As long as still, God still gives us the health and the strength to keep going, we want to keep going. Now, I'm going to turn over the directorship here this coming year to my son. I'm going to let him handle all the heavy thinking and the planning and all that. But I'm going to keep a representative. I'm just going to keep going, you know, getting out to churches because it's going to take. We haven't reached all the world yet. We got a lot of stuff out. We're going to be shipping very soon our 120th semi-load of Scripture. We're going to be shipping soon. This is going to be filled with Croatian Bibles, over 30,000 Bibles in that container going to Croatia. And oh, listen, uh, we've done a lot. We've seen a lot go out. But boy, there's so much more to do. And you know, to fill those containers and to ship those containers, we've got this here one, the, the Polish Protector's Bibles. We've now printed 75,000 of these. That have over 50,000, close to 60,000 now have been distributed. These are for the police department. The other ones are for the military. We, on this last printing, we did some for the medical field and some for the fire department. We want them to get the word of God. Now, I say 75,000 of these. You know what that cost? Over a quarter of a million dollars. Now, unless you can write me a check for a quarter of a million dollars, we've got to keep going from church to church to church and raise it. And it takes money. It takes, I wish we could just say, hey, word of God, be through all Eastern Europe, and we'd all be there. God could do that. But he says, no, 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 I'm, I, I choose you. <laughs> I'm choosing you down here. Some of you, I'm going to stick you there, and you're going to stay there as missionaries, and you're going to work. So, and some I'm going to take over there as, as a team, and you're going to help some of these missionaries and get the word of God out and try to get their ministry known and try to get some visitors in and try to see some people saved. God has different ways of working. 
And then he's going to have some back here. Some are going to work in the area of printing scriptures. Some are going to work in the area of assembling scriptures. Some are going to work in the area of giving so scriptures can be produced. And, and on and on. It all, we all work together. It's our fingerprints coming together, doing what God told us to do, reaching the world with the gospel. And boy, it's exciting to be a part of that, isn't it? It's neat. Because as, as people get saved, like, like when we had our meeting there in, in, in Ostin, we had that night, we had about 100 people came, which was a great crowd for now, as you, you look at how materialism's taken over so many of those areas. But to have that many people, five that night trusted Christ as Lord and Savior. Seven others wrote, they said, we want to have a Bible study. Eight others said, please email me more information. I want to know more about this, what you're talking about. And the missionary said he's been having, getting calls and responses, emails coming into him asking more questions. Listen. Listen, had we not gone, had we not done this, had we not obeyed God and say, let's go and do this, that wouldn't happen. Right. It wouldn't happen. And just like you being here this morning, if somebody hadn't come along and invited you to church, prayed for you, maybe led you to Christ, you wouldn't be here. It takes that sowing. It takes that getting out and doing what we can. You know, he tells us in Lamentations, he said... Uh, he says, that, well, let's look there once. In Lamentations chapter 3, and this will be our last, I don't know what time it's supposed to be done, but probably pretty quick. <laughs> but anyway, Lamentations chapter 3, and let's look down in verse number 22. Familiar scriptures here, and it says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. He says, They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. He said, the Lord is my portion. You know, in archaic, the meaning of portion is a person's destiny or lot. He's our portion. He's our destiny. He's our lot. We're going to stand with him someday, those of us who get saved. And you notice when he talks about his mercies, he said they're new every morning. You know, it's kind of like when you go into a bakery in the morning and they've just baked that fresh bread. I remember my mom used to bake a lot of bread. There were six of us kids and on the farm and she'd bake a lot of bread. But boy, I tell you how that, that smell just fills the house. And you breathe that in and say, wow, that's so great. I just, just can't believe how great that is. And then you go to that same bakery the next day and here it is again, all fresh and new. Just that smell that you got. And you say, wow, this is great. That's how the mercies of God is. Every day, they're fresh. Every day, they're new. Just think of that, that baked bread smell and think, this is how my God, his mercy to me every day is just like that. No matter how I blotched up the day before, and we all do, it's fresh the next morning. Oh, listen, let's pray. Father, we thank you now, Lord, for these people. We thank you for the time that we could take and spend in your word. And, and help us, Lord, to appreciate that unspeakable gift. And, Lord, that we might be willing to surrender our wills, to serve you in faith, and to work with determination. And, Lord, we'll just thank you and praise you for what you do. Now prepare us for the morning service. And, Lord, we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Preacher.